Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. And so um, Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, or 16, sorry, starting in verse 13. Um, when Jesus came to the region of Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Flip over to John chapter 21. Start reading in verse 1. Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. What had happened was several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. And so they went out in a boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. (laughs) Then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. The disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were about only 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, And some bread. I want you to remember that. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Which if you've ever cooked fish over a charcoal fire and you're like in like camping mode. I've tried it one time. Did not work out for me. If you got any tips, be sure that you you approach me after service. Teach me how to do that because it was a disaster. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. And then Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so before we get started this morning, I got to tell you a story. So when I was, um, when I was younger, me and my brother, we, um, we were two people who were like ultra competitive. And we were competitive. We played all kinds of sports. We played football, basketball, baseball, chess, checkers, whatever. Whatever we were doing, we were super competitive. We were super, uh, you know, we were afraid to lose, so to speak. And so 
We were competitive, you know, in, in youth sports and things of that nature, but I don't know if any of you have any siblings in here, but you know that the competition level when you are playing like against your friends versus when you are playing against your siblings is a totally different level. It's a totally different level. You can lose to your friends, but if you lose to your sibling, it is, it is agony that will haunt you for the rest of your days. And my brother is about four years younger than me, and I remember one afternoon, me and my brother, we were, we were competitive, so we were always playing some type of ball. We were always doing something. And specifically, we always played basketball together. We always played basketball against each other, and I was like 12, and he was 8, so we had to let the goal down, which for him, it was fine because now he could shoot the ball and actually hit the goal, but it was better for me because I could dunk now, right? <laughs> Right, I could, I could dunk. I felt like LeBron James. A funny story, we had neighbors that had um, moved in from, from a different country and they'd never watched basketball before. So we have the goal down out there and they're like, this is basketball and this guy is like LeBron James out here on this eight-foot goal. I mean, just hanging on the rim, right? And so me and my brother, we would play and he said, I would dominate him, of course, right? Because I'm, I was 12 and he was eight. And I, it's just a typical afternoon. I am dominating him in basketball. I am making him regret ever asking me to play. I am developing character and I am building his integrity for the long haul of his life, right? That's what I thought my assignment was as a 12-year-old older brother. And I build integrity in my eight-year-old brother. You're going to be a man, you know? You're going to learn how to take an elbow down here. Right, You're not getting no easy layups. And so I remember one day I was beating him just over and over and over again. It gets to the point where we start, it starts getting a little heated, right? And he like throws the ball at me and I catch it and he's like, I'm going inside, right? Like, <laughs> like couldn't win for losing. And I'm just out there shooting basketball and he comes back out and this is, this is one of the... <sighs> Thinking about this now, it's one of the funniest things that I've, I think I've ever seen. He comes back out, and it's like, when he comes back out, he doesn't walk back out. He, like, busts the door open. He's like, one more game. One more game. And I'm like, why? Like, I'm going to beat you again. But he had, like, a trick up his sleeve, right? He was going to adjust the rules where I could only shoot from a certain spot, right? He kept getting beat, so he had to adjust the rules. I didn't agree. Um, that we would adjust the rules, but I did adjust uh, a few things so that it could be fair for him, whatever. And so I, I'm, I'm playing basketball, and before I know it, like, my brother has went inside and, like, put on, like, the Like Mike sneakers. Y'all remember that movie? You remember, Make Me Like Mike? Y'all remember that movie? I watched that movie 750 times on pay-per-view. Bow Wow, right? <laughs> Like Mike, four foot 11, crossing over Allen Iverson in the movie. My brother found those shoes, and he just like, he is, he is now winning against me for the first time ever. And in my life, and it, up until this point, I have never prepared for this moment. I have always prepared to perpetually beat my brother into agony and pain and make him regret ever asking me to play sports with him. I had a strategy 
for being successful. But I didn't have a strategy for the struggle. I had a strategy for when everything was going right and when I was winning. But I didn't have a strategy for when everything wasn't going my way. And I think we get this way in life sometimes. We have a strategy for everything that is going to be successful. But we don't know how to navigate the struggle. We have a strategy for when we get a raise at work and what we're going to do with the money. But we don't have a strategy for when we lose our job. We have a strategy for when everything's going well in our marriage, but we don't have a strategy for when everything's falling apart. We have a strategy when our bank account has a lot of zeros, but we don't have a strategy for when it has negative in it. We have strategies for success, but I don't know if we have strategies for the struggle. And so look at your neighbor this morning. I want you to help me announce my sermon title. I want you to say strategies for the struggle. Now, I'm not suggesting this morning that it's God's will for you to struggle. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not suggesting that it's God's plan for you to struggle. I'm not suggesting that it's God's will for you to struggle. But I just know this about life, okay? I'm not very old, but I know this. At some point, you are going to go through a struggle, At some point, you are going to go through a struggle, and I think we need to know how to navigate those things because if you don't, it can break you. It can break you. And so if you're taking notes this morning, if you want to write any of this down, you can. If not, don't worry about it. I think the first strategy for the struggle, and and I only... When I speak, especially to people who have more life experience with me, I surely only speak from life experience. So I'm, I'm not saying that I have all the answers this morning, but I'm saying that I have some. And I'm saying that they might help you as well. And so when you're in the middle of a struggle, I think the first thing that you have to do is you just need to slow down. You need to slow down. I know that's super practical, and it's not spiritual, and it doesn't make you shut, but you need to slow down. Because in the times that I have struggled the deepest in my life, I could not see things clearly. Because I was trying to move through fat too fast to get through the struggle. And I was moving so fast that I ended up making decisions based off the way I felt instead of based what God had already said. And when you see what Peter did in this story, he begins to make decisions based off the way that he's feeling after he denied Jesus. That's why he said, well, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my old life now. Because everything was happening so fast around him, he began to make decisions like Simon. And Jesus had already said, you're not Simon anymore. You're Peter, and you're the rock that I'm going to build the church on. And I believe that if he would have just slowed down in the middle of his struggle, he would have remembered everything that God has spoken over him. And I see too many people going through a struggle that do it too fast. And I know it's by nature. You just want to get out of it. But the strategies that you use in the middle of it determine how long you stay in it and how quick you get out of it. 
And I know it's kind of contradicting to tell you to slow down, but it works. It works. You can start making correct decisions. You can start making logical decisions again. If you're in the middle of a financial struggle, don't go buy something you can't afford, right? If a friend one time, he's like, if I go buy this, it'll get me out of the struggle. I was like, all right, let's, let's do this math together. Zero dollars, negative $60,000. You tell me where you want to start, right? That's, that's what I had to tell him. When you're in the middle of a struggle, you've got to slow down. I believe when we slow down that we can be reminded of everything that God has called us to be, everything that God has called us to do. And I believe that we can be in, in right alignment with everything that he wants us to do. Number two this morning, if you're taking notes. I don't know if I think that this could be the most important one, but I think my last one's the most important one. I try to never put them in order of importance. I just try to throw some things down and, and talk about those things. But I think the second thing that you need to learn to do in the middle of a struggle is you need to lean in. You need to lean in. When you are in the middle of a struggle, it is not the time for you to draw back from the community that God has placed in your life. Listen, what got Peter, what got Peter was not that he was struggling. It was that he tried to isolate himself. And when you're in the middle of a struggle, the last thing that you need to do the last thing that you need to do is try to isolate yourself and figure this thing out on your own. It is the very last thing that you need to do. I have seen people walk in the purpose and the calling of God on their life. I have seen people give up their whole lives, move across the country to go to, to, go to a ministry school, and one thing happens. One thing. One struggle presents itself, and they just check out. They're gone. Can't find them. And it's because they isolated themselves and would not listen to the voices that God had put in their life. And I think it's very important when you're going through a struggle that you keep the people around you who have your best interest in mind. You keep those people around you. You don't, you don't pull away. You lean into them. And I think, there's another, I think there's another part to this in this story as well that I, I think I saw for the first time the other day. See, Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to the life that I lived before I met Jesus. I'm going back. And this always was, it was always kind of weird to me that the disciples who were there said, well, we'll go too. Because these disciples in the earlier chapter have already met Jesus after the resurrection. He's already come to them in, in, in a room in John chapter 20 and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you. I'm here. He's already looked at Thomas, who was there with him, and said, Here's the holes in my hand. Here's the holes in my side. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they say, We'll go too. And I've always thought it was because Peter was just so influential that he could just drag people back with him. I thought that was the reason. 
But I'm not so sure that that was the reason anymore. I think that there were people who loved Jesus and who had met with him, who had been restored, whose pain had been healed from, from losing him in, in the crucifixion. Because Jesus said this. Jesus says, I, nobody takes my life. I give up my life. And I think that it hurt the disciples because I don't know about you, and this is a very sensitive topic, but when you lose a, a loved one, it hurts deep. But when they voluntarily do it, it's a whole nother level of pain that you've never experienced before. And Jesus says, I give up my life. They don't take it from me. So these disciples are hurt and Jesus meets them and he heals all their hurt, all their pain, all everything. And so when they said, we'll go too, they saw that Peter was hurting. It wasn't that he was dragging them back into their old life. It was that they had a friend who was going through some stuff. It was that they had a friend who was in the middle of a struggle. And I believe that our call to the church, listen, I believe a call as a church and a mission as a church is not just that we can handle people when they're doing well. It's that we can handle people in the middle of a struggle. And I think that if you want to be effective, you have to be willing to go get with people in the middle of their mess. You have to be willing to go fishing too. You need to be willing to go back with them to the thing that they think is going to fulfill them. And when Jesus shows up, you can say, it is the Lord that's on the shore. It's him that's given us all the fish. I believe that we as a church have to be, peop have to be people who are willing to get in the middle of a struggle with people around us. You know why we have small groups? Small groups are not just about being connected to a small group. They're about when you're in the middle of a struggle, there's some people there. They're going to say, this is not who you are anymore. This is not the way that you're called to live. This isn't who you're called to be. That's what small groups are about. That's why I'm, I am such a fan of small groups because I don't know about you and I don't know anything about some of your walk with God in here, some of your walks with God in here, but I know this about me. If some people wouldn't have been there for me when I thought about going back to my mess, I wouldn't be doing this today. If some people wouldn't have been there for me when I was in the middle of my struggle, there wouldn't be nobody standing on this platform today. You need people who will get with you in the middle of your struggle. And as a person who's going through the struggle, you have to lean into those people. But as a person who is watching people struggle, you have to lean into those people. You have to go get those people. I thank God for people who are willing to come find me in the middle of my mess. People who are in the church just men and women of, women of God who are serving him passionately. It says, we, we know that you're going through something right now, but we don't really care. We're here for you. Here for you. And I thank God for that. Can I get a witness from somebody? Come on. I think the last thing this morning, the last strategy that I want to give you for going through a struggle this 
has marked me and probably shaped me in my walk with God more than anything else. The last strategy that you need to know when you're going through the middle of a struggle is that you can't forget about Jesus. You can't forget about Jesus. I think that we live in a society, I love the culture that we live in. Some people hate it, I love the culture that we live in. So much stuff to do, so many places to go, so many things to see. You can jump on a plane and be across the world in, in, in a few hours. I love that. I love that I can, I can go to the coffee shop whenever I get ready to. Right? I love that if, if I need something, I can go down to the store and buy something. I love all of those things. I love if I need a day, I can take a day. Right? But what I'm seeing is that those things are not strategies for the struggle. Those things are distractions from the struggle. And a lot of times we're giving people distractions from the issues that they're dealing with, hoping that that will solve it. Hoping that will pull them through the struggle. And you're just distracted from it. It's not a strategy for it. Right? You're just distracted. And me and you both know that you can go all over the world. You can see every town, every city, every place. Make as much money as you want. But if you're just distracted from the struggle, you and me both know that when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, you know that you're still in the middle of a struggle. You're distracted and you're still in the middle of a struggle. And I know people say that you need these things and you need to do this and you need to do that. And listen, I am all for it, but they can't be a distraction instead of a strategy. And I don't know, I said this earlier, but I don't know where you are in your walk with God. If you've just got saved, if you've been saved for 45 years, been saved for 10 minutes. But I still haven't found a better strategy for the struggle than just getting in His presence. I still haven't found a better strategy than just getting in the presence of Almighty God. And see, this story doesn't end with Peter is running to the shore and having a gourmet breakfast with God, right? Could be a, that could be a TBN show. Gourmet breakfast with God. Been waiting to make that joke for about a week now. <laughs> gourmet breakfast with God. It doesn't just end there. You have to see what Jesus asked Peter for. This just hit me the other night. I was reading this text. I was just soaking in this text. And it said that breakfast had already been cooked. And I thought this whole time that Jesus was asking Peter for fish because he wanted to cook it for him. And I've read it wrong my whole life. When, Jesus, when Peter came running back to the shore and he asked Peter for his fish, it, he wasn't just asking him for a fish, he was asking him for his struggle. When, when Peter came running back to Jesus and Jesus asked Peter for his fish, he wasn't just asking him for a fish. 
He was asking him for all the pain and the shame and the regret that came with denying him earlier. When Jesus showed up on the, sto- on the shore, he provided a strategy for Peter's struggle, and it was just to give it to Jesus. Sometimes when you're in the middle of a situation, you just need to take it and give it to Jesus. You don't need to take a day. You don't need to go anywhere and do anything. You just need to go get before Almighty God and take it to Jesus. When you're in the middle of a struggle, the best strategy is His presence. And I can just see Peter. I don't know about you, but when, you're, when, when I'm struggling, this is the way that it works for me. And I can just see Peter out on the boat in the middle of his struggle trying to fish again. He's casting his nets. And he's casting his nets. And the whole time, I don't know how God works in your life. This is the way that he works for me. When I start doing old behavior and when I start trying to go back to the things that I used to do or act the way that I used to act, I keep getting this download from the Holy Ghost that says, you are not called to live that way anymore. And I can't help but when think when Peter was on that boat, there was something down on the inside of him every time he cast a net. I'm not Simon the fisherman anymore. I'm Peter the rock in which Jesus is going to build his church on. I'm not Simon anymore. I can't help but think when when he was out there on that boat, this isn't what I'm called to do anymore. This isn't the way that I'm called to live anymore. I'm the rock in which Jesus is going to build his church on. In one single moment, in the presence of God, changed everything for Peter. It reminded him everything that he already knew that Jesus said about him. He's not Simon anymore. He's the rock in which Jesus is gonna build the church on. One moment, and I got good news for you this morning. I love that Peter, or I love that Jesus used a fish to get Peter out of his struggle. He used his struggle to get him to the place that he wanted him. And if I know anything about God, he uses everything that is happening around me to get me right where he wants me and that's back in his presence. Jesus asked him for a fish, but he also used the fish to get him there. And I believe that if you're in the middle of a struggle this morning, if you're in the middle of a battle this morning, I believe God is using everything that you are going through to get you right where he wants you. Come on, if you would stand to your feet with me all over the room. If you're in the middle of a struggle this morning, God's not done with you yet. If you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, if you don't know how you're going to fix your marriage, if you're not going to, you don't know how you're going to break that addiction, God is using everything, every single thing that is happening around you to get you through the struggle. So this morning, all over the room, I just want us to lift our hands up to Jesus. And right where you're at, just begin to worship God and ask Him.
to pull you through the struggle. Ask him to begin to work in ways that he's never worked before. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.